Welcome to yet another round of Otaku Ryoho, the podcast where we talk about psychological themes using anime as illustration. I am Jan Ramos, and I am accompanied by my co-host, Josue Cardona. Hello. The podcast works this way, on a turn-based format where each round, a co-host will pick a theme, a psychological theme, to discuss, and an anime to illustrate it. Today was my round... And I chose to talk about the movie A Silent Voice. It's the shape, the shape of voice in, in Japanese. And I chose to talk about uh, language and sort of how it, it sort of separates us or how it, it puts us together. Because last time we were talking about um, the cultural divide between right when we're interacting with Japanese culture as foreigners. And I thought it would be interesting to talk about, you know, how different forms of language can bring us together when we choose to be open to others, right? Mm -hmm. So what did you think? Of? The movie. Uh, of the movie. Uh, I, I liked it a lot. I, I cried. I thought it was, I thought it was really good. Uh, I was surprised by what the movie was about mm -hmm. because like, t 10 minutes in, there's a, there's a suicide attempt mm -hmm. and that is a, a running theme throughout the, throughout the movie. Yeah. And, uh, so, so for f the movie surprised me, uh, but I, but I loved it. I really, really liked it a lot. Um, regarding the, the language stuff specifically, Mm -hmm. I'm going to take a step back and okay. uh, and tell you why why I was excited about talking about this. Um, so the first episode of um, the Geek Therapy podcast on on the Geek Therapy Network, mm -hmm. I published in 2012, but it wasn't my first podcast. My first podcast that I tried to make mm -hmm. was called the American Sign Language Audio Podcast. What? Uh, because I, so I lived in Maryland mm -hmm. where there is a university called Gallaudet University, which is a deaf university. I believe it is America's first deaf university. And I don't think it's the only one now, but it was America's first. Mm -hmm. So in Maryland, many of the people who studied at Gallaudet University and got their degrees, kind of, they, 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 they still live in those areas. So specifically, I lived in an area called Frederick, Maryland, and immediately when I moved there, I saw deaf people everywhere. Like deaf people were working at the at the supermarket, at the post office. There were signs. There were. I was interacting with deaf people, and I'd never done that in my entire life. And it was like it. It made me uh, very curious. I'm a very curious person. So I started taking classes, uh, ASL classes at the local community college. Mm -hmm. And I did that for a, over a year. And then when I moved to New York, I started uh, going to classes there. And I joined a whole bunch of meetups. And then I started, It's this is still on Facebook. You can, you can find it. The website itself isn't active anymore, but it's still on Facebook. Mm -hmm. And every now and then someone still likes it, but it's the New York City ASL Student Network. It was the first thing I did. And then I created a podcast for other students who were studying ASL because I, I found that a lot of us felt very, like when I was in Maryland, it was harder to find, it wasn't as easy as in New York, you know, like in New York did because of the, the, 
population density, there were just like thousands of us who were hearing people who were studying American Sign Language. Mm-hmm. And it was amazing to be able to, to, it was so easy to find other people to connect with over this thing and to practice. And I knew that people in other places, especially rural places, they, like, they had nobody to practice with. So I, I thought, wow, like a podcast where we talk about like, oh, like this is really hard to understand. Like, oh, like I learned this or this is a good way to practice this other thing. I thought it was a great idea. I still think mm-hmm. it's a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> I went to National Association of the Deaf um, Conference one year and I have tons of stories about that. I, I interacted with many deaf people. I was pretty conversational in ASL. Mm-hmm. and And so... So this is a topic that is very near and dear to my heart, deaf culture and American Sign Language in particular. Um, like every country has, uh, just like there's you know different dialects and stuff, uh, American Sign Language is based on French Sign Language, so it's actually very different from British Sign Language. Mm-hmm. I have no idea, like I, I really didn't understand the signs in a silent voice because I've... I've never studied uh, Japanese wow. sign language. I don't even know what if if what it's called. Like I don't know if it's just Japanese sign language or if it's a, what exactly it is. So it's it's very different. The alphabets are different. So I really couldn't understand that. So so I was looking at it from that perspective the entire time. <laughs> when That's you told fascinating. Me, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh so I enjoyed the movie a lot, and I think I have a, a lot to, to say. Um, or at least yeah. I have a, thought, a lot of thoughts about uh, this topic. So uh, l- let me know where you want to go with it, and I'll, <laughs> yeah. I'll answer questions. Yeah, yeah. I, I find what you've said very, uh, very fascinating because personally, as you know, a, a bilingual medical student, I've had so many experiences where. I'm working at a at a US hospital and a patient only talks Spanish and I see just how different an interaction with a patient can be when you speak their primary language as opposed to when you use an interpreter yeah. as like somebody in between and I've I've wanted to learn sign language for so long because just the idea of having somebody interpret for me makes me anxious. Like knowing how it is, like seeing it from the outside, seeing somebody interpret something and how that meaning is lost, even in the tone of voice. Yeah. To me is like, I don't want that to happen. I want to have like a direct conversation with, with my patients. And I haven't had uh, my university offers like a American sign language class. Mm-hmm. But it's like a, it's a daily commitment, and then programming courses around that is almost impossible. Yeah. So it's 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 so, a real bummer. So yeah. you you tried to learn. I say tried, right? Like you learned a lot of Japanese before your Japan trip. Correct? Yeah, I did. Mm-hmm. So and then once you went to Japan, was it was it like a wake up call? Or like, did you think you knew more than you knew going in, or or was it about what you expected? No, it's. There's this phenomenon where uh, when you're learning a new language, at first you underestimate how much you know, and the more you learn, you overestimate how much you learn. <laughs> like, I had like some basic like Duolingo knowledge, and I was like, I'm not going to be able to have a conversation with anyone, but perhaps I'm going to be able to sort of like 
pick words out of what somebody might be telling me. Yeah. But I actually found myself in many situations where we were both in understanding each other. Okay. And uh, that that felt amazing. Just like feeling that having that feeling of like it, it sort of paid off. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was great. I still had certain moments where I was completely lost, but I could sort of like talk in a very like broken Japanese that they could sort of maneuver around me. Right. <laughs> and, and sort of uh, speak, speak at a, at a more basic level yeah. so that I could understand them. And yeah, that felt that felt great. Um, I went to a National Association of the Deaf conference mm-hmm. and I went to when I was doing my master's degree in mental health counseling. I became very interested. It was during that time that I became very interested in American Sign Language again because I was living in Maryland. And I I found a book that was on mental health treatment in deaf populations. Mm-hmm. And one of the authors of the book was going to give a presentation at this conference. And I did a lot of research and I found that um, deaf populations in particular, there were very few... Um, there, there's, a, there's a huge need for... Mm-hmm. for um, ASL speaking clinicians and there just mm-hmm. isn't. So so I thought, okay, this is this is amazing. I'm going to dedicate a lot of time to this so that when I do practice, I can like what you said, right? It's like I don't want to use an interpreter. I want to be, you know, I want to be able to communicate directly because again, I know English, I know Spanish, I know the difference that it makes when you speak a person's language. Mm-hmm. So I I get up and I say pretty much everything you just said, what I just repeated. I said that after a presentation and also like these, this conference was amazing because uh, every single presentation, it didn't matter if the presenter was hearing or deaf, Mm -hmm. whether they spoke or they signed, there were always interpreters to do it the other way around. So, so you could have mix a mixture of speakers, right? Mm -hmm. And like the moment someone started speaking, uh, an interpreter was signing, and the moment someone started signing, an interpreter was speaking out loud. Yeah, so, it's like everything had subtitles. Yeah, basically, basically. Mm-hmm. Also, next level, the people who were blind and deaf each each had their own uh, interpreters because they do touch sign language. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we can talk about all this later. Uh, again, those are things that you learn when you're in there. You're like, what? And so these people who are blind and deaf had their their own um, personal interpreter who would go to every presentation with them and and interpret everything for them. Uh, in, in, it's called tactile sign language. Mm-hmm. So uh, so I stand up. I say this person is signing it. And then a deaf person stands up and he says the following to me. Mm-hmm. He says that, like, it's great that you want to do that, but therapy is a very uh, important process Mm -hmm. and you need to be able to be yourself and Mm -hmm. really communicate clearly. And to be able to do that effectively as a therapist, you need to be fluent. Mm -hmm. And I'm sorry, but it's going to take you like 10 years to be fluent. Yeah. And, and like, oh, it hit me. Like, it, it also, um, Deaf culture is very blunt, mm-hmm. not not because they're assholes, just because like there's no room for for a lot of the bullshit that we that we use when we speak, mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. so a lot of things uh, come across as uh, again the the word is blunt and and I, and I don't mean that like again like in aggressive or anything like that. It's yeah. just matter of factly, right? So mm-hmm. said it, and I was like, oh, like it it hurt the the 
the way he was signing it and the way the way he was the way I understood uh, that he was that he was coming off. But it mm-hmm. was absolutely he he was right. I mean, I don't know, you know, ten years might be some people it might be more for other people might be less for other people i was conversational but i definitely i I know now you know looking back that i wasn't at a level where like i was doing anybody a service really Mm -hmm. like it's also a skill to use an interpreter yeah so um learning to learning to use an interpreter effectively is better than half-assing a language (laughs) but even even if you use an interpreter like knowing the basics of that language makes it so that you can sometimes interject sure. and, and sort sure. of speak directly when when you know how to do it, right? Yeah, yeah. Again, it's a, it's a skill. Um, mm-hmm. I, think, I think it's more, the real skill is using an interpreter, so it doesn't matter what language the other person is speaking. Mm-hmm. You can be respectful and attentive to the person even though you don't understand them, and yeah. you know how to wait, and you make a, eye contact with them instead of speaking to the interpreter. Yeah. Um like it, it's a skill, it's something that that you can you can do that and and I think be very helpful to a person. And actually this entire experience with deaf culture and ASL informed a huge part of geek therapy at the beginning like that's why I still say to this day like what language like we're speaking the same language and I mean the language of gaming, the language of anime, the language of comic books and superheroes and things like mm-hmm. that. And it comes from this idea. It's like, "Oh, you're fluent in that. Like you can express yourself better." We can talking about anime, right? And talking about a real issue through anime than we could if we were just speaking English. That's still my theory. Yeah. And and that's why I use the the that type of terminology. So uh. so so in the movie, when you see like it was it was so I don't know anything about deaf culture in Japan. So mm-hmm. it was really sad for me to see that this little girl uh came to a hearing school and had no resources. Mm-hmm. And and the the kids were horrible to her. Mm-hmm. And oh, I was like, it was it was painful to watch. Yeah. And and when she finally left the school, I was so like I was so sad about the fact that she that she had to endure all of that bullying. But I was mm-hmm. also happy that she left, and I was hoping that she would go to a deaf school or a school where they again they provided more resources mm-hmm. because they kind of established that at very early on she had a hearing aid, mm-hmm. and it was like. I don't, I don't know if it was just me, but like the movie was never super clear on how well she could or couldn't hear. Mm-hmm. Right. And well, when you're deaf, like sometimes you use hearing aids as something to help understand tone or understand like the directionality of somebody's voice. So, you know, if somebody's calling out in your direction. Oh, no, no. Trust me. I, yeah. I know. I know. Uh-huh. And like their cochlear, impl- uh, cochlear yeah. implants and what she had uh, looked like maybe cochlear implants, but they really didn't show. Mm-hmm. Um, if she had the connection, uh, yeah. so, so there, they're like, there's a large, there's a very wide range from hard of hearing to deaf and, mm-hmm. and just like blindness, right? Like it, that's a spectrum. It isn't, it isn't binary in any way, yeah. but the movie, like, it wasn't clear to me how well or not she could understand people with the hearing aid because at mm-hmm. first she was using the notebook and like at, at first people seem to want to use the the notebook, but then they, they didn't, right? They was like, oh, we don't, we don't want to actually use the notebook anymore. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know if like she was able to hear all of the nasty things that were said to her. And even as an adult, there were times when I wasn't clear if she understood. Mm-hmm. But, but these are all, this is all like technical stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so this is all like the movie. I don't know how well informed the movie was. I feel that the movie didn't represent accurately what was happening in terms of communication Mm -hmm. and and it also came as a surprise to me 
when she what was her name? I forgot her name. Which one? The the deaf girl in the movie in a silent Shoko. voice. Shoko. Yeah. So so Shoko was uh when at the end she attempts suicide. Mm-hmm. That kind of caught me off guard. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know how you felt about it, but it's really surprised me in the sense that, like she, it seemed like things were going well for her. Like the the mm-hmm. reactions that she had seemed to be like the only time where she seemed to like have anything close to a tantrum was when she had that uh, that that uh, when she was trying to tell him that she liked him and mm-hmm. he didn't understand. Yeah. But like other than that, she seemed. I, I thought. You know, it, it like it really surprised me. And mm-hmm. again, having studied this for for years, there are specific uh, experiences that deaf people go through, and there's a lack of resources and a lack of support that they unfortunately have to deal with um, more than the general population. So, so those are really very, very serious issues. Mm-hmm. But again, it made me think of a million different things going on yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, in the movie. I've rambled. No, uh, this this ahead. is this is exactly what I wanted. <laughs> If you're rambling, okay. that means I made a good suggestion. <laughs> so yes, yes, this is good. Okay, but I want to let's let's try to maybe. There's a lot to talk about in this movie. Mm-hmm, yeah. Um, well, I mean, like, what specifically do you want to talk about? Right. Like, so, so, so about maybe everything. maybe I want to take a sort of like, um, like temporal approach, going through the beginning to the movie, the the beginning of the movie, and sort of how themes sort of develop as the movie goes, because mm-hmm. I think that's the more um, structured way we can we can sort of find topics to talk about. I think this movie is essentially about you have the kids and then you have what happens to them after they grow up, right? And it has a lot to do with Shoko's disability and how the the other kids, you know, being kids and being uninformed, were some un- people. Some people would just say differently abled. Yeah, there's a lot of pride in the in the deaf mm-hmm. community. They, okay. Many people don't consider themselves to have a disability. Okay. Just want to put that out there. Mm-hmm. It's other people's inability to sort of be accessible to them, right? So when she when she arrives, she has her notebook, right? And she says, like, if you want to talk to me, talk through this notebook. But those who aren't hard of hearing or deaf around her find it to be such an inconvenient way to communicate with her that they yeah. eventually shut her out of their lives, right? Yeah. To the point where they find her too strange to relate with. And as Shoja, which is the main character, grows up, he and he learns sign language, he finally finds a way to understand everything that weirded him out about her before he had grown up, right? What I find very interesting is just how this one interaction of not being able to ask kids to sort of understand the experience of another person because you're unable to speak their language just broke this whole friendship circle apart right not and and sort of shoko blames herself for that during the movie but what what you see is that everybody's trying to make up for their own weaknesses so shoja was somebody who like he just wanted to sort of have fun as a kid and he sort of played into this sort of bullying mindset that he had built up with Naoka, which was the the Ueno, right? The girl who was sort of mean throughout the movie. I don't remember her name, but... Yeah, it's U- Ueno. Okay. That's her last name, and Naoka is her first name. Gotcha. So um, I found very interesting how Ueno, as a 
girl who had a certain amount of privilege felt discriminated against in the classroom because she saw how their teachers were trying to be accessible to Shoko. And so she felt like she was getting preferential treatment when in reality she was given a, a sense of uh, equity, right? Mm-hmm. So when Naoka, for example, tries to read from the textbook and she can't read, she doesn't read the textbook with any form of uh, tonality or like attention to sort of what emotions are trying to be portrayed on the page, the teacher, you know, tells her, um, why are you reading that way? Right. Yeah. And she feels like slighted because of that. But when Shoko reads it, because the teacher understand that she's deaf and probably, you know, has trouble sort of understanding tone and stuff like that, he permits it because that's being accessible to her needs. And so Naoka takes this as a slight to her character. Like, why is this person getting preferential treatment when I'm not? And this sort of this sort of thing is is seen throughout their childhood, right? Where Naoko is sort of misattributing the way that others are trying to be accessible to Shoko as something as a slight to her person. Yeah, I, I don't really think about much about about that, mm-hmm. and um, and that character just just annoyed me. Yeah, <laughs> for the most part, because she was she was just so so mean. Because I think that the theme of the movie is is second chances, right? Mm-hmm. It's uh, yeah. re- redemption. The uh, shoujo, he... Is it shoujo or shoja? Uh, shoja is the main character. Yeah, shoujo, right? So mm-hmm. so he... Uh, like He is this bully at the beginning. And then we don't really know why. Like, they don't really give a reason why he was that way, right? He was just mm-hmm. like the class clown. Yeah. And then after he bullied um, Shoka... Right, mm-hmm. Shoka. So much she, like they turned on him, and then he felt what she went through, and yeah. and he felt guilt for a very long time. Again, I don't know honestly a lot about suicide in Japanese culture. Mm-hmm. I've like I've heard of the suicide forest, and yeah. I've I've read some things, but I'm I'm not really familiar with what's going on. So to mm-hmm. see this character as a kid and then have the time jump and then see that he's just putting his affairs in order and, and going to end his life. It was the more I think about the movie, there's like things where I'm like, well, what, what, what? Like, I think, I think we skipped over something here. <laughs> well, I know, okay. I know it was a manga. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's probably a lot more detail in the manga than, yeah. than in the movie. But, uh, but like, but ultimately it's, it's the story of Shoja now, like finding, redemption right he's like okay now i'm gonna i, I want a second chance i want to try to fix this thing that i did mm-hmm. i'm going to be better this time and mm-hmm. there's that interaction with all of the friends right and where he's very honest and he's like you're full of it you're full of it you're phony you're yeah. fake <laughs> yeah right like let's all be real for a second we were mm-hmm. all horrible people and yeah. uh, now i'm trying to be to be to be better and and this is really hard yeah, like that. That's what I feel that the movie is, and that particular char- character uh, that was so mean to Shoka throughout mm-hmm. throughout the movie, and then like even towards the end, right? It was like it just didn't. Yeah. Ugh, I don't know. <laughs> like it never. You're right. There was this one interaction where she felt slighted, and mm-hmm. if that, like, I, I, I kind of forgot about that one moment because I never thought that that one moment might be the thing that made her hate this girl for it's even. Not- 
it's like, not just that one moment because there's like three scenes I think where they sort of build on this relationship she has with Shogo. There's the other scene where the teacher starts presenting that they should all learn sign language so they can talk to Shoko easily. Mm-hmm. And you see Naoka asking like, you know, but why do we have to sort of get down on her level? Why don't we just use the notebook? And the teacher is like, but it's easier for Shoko to talk this way. And yeah. then Sahara, which is the one who was friends with her and then she ran away. She started being friends with Shoko. But apparently we learned later on that Sahara was actually a friend of Shoko. Mm-hmm. And Naoka at the same time. But like Naoka's hate for Shoko sort of bridged a divide between her and Sahara to the point where she blames Shoko for separating her and Sahara when really she was the one that was sort of being cruel to Shoko and making that divide happen, right? Got it. Yeah. So you can understand Ueno's wrong thinking, right? You can sort of get what her personality is like and why she's thinking like the things that she's thinking. She's just annoying as a as a human being. Um, <laughs> but um, also like she held a grudge for 10 years, mm-hmm. you know, and like she didn't even see Shoko again, ever again. Mm-hmm. And then the first time she sees her, she's like, oh, why she does, does she have one of those things from my store? Damn. <laughs> I mean, this whole story is about them sort of carrying the scars of what happened in their childhood, right? Like, all of them are affected by it to a certain degree. And I think, for example, Shoja was one of the most evident, partly because that's the main character we're following, right? But he was a kid who was a bully, mainly because he was, one, weirded out by Shoko, but also he wanted to be, like, popular amongst his friends, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he wanted to be the the guy who was funny, the guy who sort of brought the fun to the group. He wanted attention. Yeah. And so when he bullied Shoko and was called out for it by the teacher because he's the most notable bully, right? He's the one that was the the loudest. So so, let, so let's be clear. This is not bullying. This kid caused thousands of dollars in damage and probably even hurt her physically by yeah. taking and, and 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 also traumatized her because he mm-hmm. was taking her hearing aids. Yeah, Again, they didn't present them, them as cochlear implants, right? But I'm going to call them hearing aids for the for the sake of the conversation. Mm-hmm. He was taking them, throwing them uh, away, uh, breaking them, like ripping them out of her ear. And there was that one time where she even bled. And so it was so cruel. Like it went beyond bullying. What he was doing was so cruel mm-hmm. that not even the other kids could stand by it, right? They were all like, Psh. Mm-hmm. Like, well, actually, it was the teacher, right? Who was, mm-hmm. I remember seeing that scene and th- someone saying, if you've seen anything, please let me know. And I was thinking, I've been the teacher in that classroom. Mm-hmm. I would have immediately said, just, you know, like been like, come on, we all know who it was. And I was so happy when the teacher did that. Mm-hmm. But again, this is just to emphasize that this was not just bullying. This was torture. Yeah. Like this was harassment. This was yeah, like v- v- horrible, horrible stuff. And yeah. then he got bullied just as bad for longer because Shoko got to leave. And we assume that she she went to a place where she wasn't bullied, you know, where things mm-hmm. were better for her. Yeah. And and Shoja couldn't, right? Like he had to stay there and endure 
that bullying for the rest of, of basically up until we meet him again, where he's yeah. gotten to the point where uh, the movie does this amazing thing where he can't see people in the eyes. So everybody mm-hmm. has an X over their faces. Mm-hmm. Right. And so he has basically cut himself off from other people entirely because of how he was treated. You know, mm-hmm. it was this circle of abuse that just went around and around until the point where he just completely like put himself into a cocoon and wouldn't even see people, look in people the in the eye. Like, yeah. I, I loved when he finally would uh, create, like, establish a relationship with someone, the X would fall. <laughs> it would peel off. Yeah. Like yeah. a sticker. Uh, that's, I, yeah. when, I th- when I saw those Xs, I really thought about you because it reminded me of that comic you love. with the girl. Oh, um, uh, uh, I, I Kill Giants. Uh-huh, yeah, I Kill yeah. Giants, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in a very similar way, he he's sort of like shutting everybody out. Yeah, we're, we, if, we, if we see the world from his perspective, he sees everybody as having an X on them. Like they are not accessible, you know, mm-hmm. like they are, they are, nope, uh-uh, no, and no one, people. <laughs> and one thing I love about that, just that visual metaphor, is that you still see people being kind around him. Mm-hmm. Like they're, oh, look at this guy, it looks beautiful. And they're talking to him, but they still have that X on them. Because yeah. to him, they are still inaccessible. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's mainly because, like, after he he felt betrayed by his friends because he 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 was called out in the middle of the classroom, and then all of his friends, you know, told the teacher, like, yeah, he was the worst bully. We we weren't, we had absolutely no part in this in his bullying. While they were, you know, they did not do the whole like pulling out of the hearing aids and and throwing them out, except Naoka actually did that. Mm -hmm. But they were still supportive of him and they never brought it up. So they were still part of it, all of them. Yeah. And Shoya felt betrayed by that. And then they all ostracized him to the point where Kazuki, which was the blonde kid, Mm -hmm. um, even when they moved to another school, he would continue the story that you should be careful around Choya because he's a he's a bully. Yeah, and so he came to a point where he completely blocked himself out of relationships. He felt like none of them would sort of he he could never trust a stranger that way again. And I can definitely see how that sort of like pervasive emotional state brought him to a point where he was suicidal. Yeah. And he paid his mother back for everything that she had to pay for because I think the mother paid for all the implants. Mm -hmm. Yep. That um. Yeah, it was implied that that was the money that Mm -hmm. the mom paid because she because immediately when she found out she went to the bank and and paid Shoka's mom back for for all the damage. Yeah. Yeah. So one thing I really love about this movie is this whole sort of domino effect that you get, like how everything branches out from childhood, right? And then talking about his his sort of suicidal attempt, I found it, it, it's such a beautiful moment when his mother is sort of sitting right in front of him in the kitchen. And she's like, I'm so happy because I'm seeing that you're working hard. Like you got all this money for me and stuff like that. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I've been working hard. And then she's like, so when did you try to kill yourself? Why did you do it? And it's like this moment where she's confronting him and she's telling him, like, you don't get to, you know, just give me the money and sort of just make amends that way so that you can then later go and kill yourself. Right. And part of me is so happy that she ended up burning the money because part of because <laughs> even if it was, you know, like by mistake, like she yeah. at the end, she she wanted it. Part of me wonders, like, 
if she would have kept the money, he would have had that comfort, right? Mm, yeah. Like, like if he would have like suicidal feelings later, he would maybe think like, well, at least she got the money, and you know she'll eventually forgive me for killing myself. So, um, I mean, suicide is super complicated, uh, but yeah. that's one that's one possibility. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it is possible. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that it necessarily would have made him feel any better that mm-hmm. it didn't get burned or not, or that it would have swayed him, uh, like the money itself, but mm-hmm. it's possible. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, that's what surprised me about the movie that, that it addressed this head on, you know, mm-hmm. the mom did say, I, I think it was more like, Oh, so why do you want to kill yourself? He's like, Oh, uh, I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> and she confronts him. <laughs> Although the, well, another thing that was weird for me in that moment was that his niece was there the entire time they were having mm-hmm. this conversation. Yeah, she's like two years old, two or three years old, mm-hmm. and and multiple times like serious stuff came up. <laughs> the little yeah. girl was there. Oh, yeah. that made me feel a little uh, uncomfortable. But it, yeah. but again, it, it did address it. It did address it head on. But then again, it, it sort of adds to the sort of reality, the the the, the hyper realistic thing, because I've seen this sort of thing happen a lot in in the psychiatric setting where like you see these parents having these sort of conversations in front of children and it sort of speaks to you know we we sometimes are not aware of our surroundings when we're having these conversations oh yeah but at the same time it's good to have these conversations right um a lot of parents just like to ignore the fact that they've seen signs of suicidal thought in in their kids like they don't address it head on Sometimes yeah. it's like maybe if I talk to them about suicide or how they've tried to commit suicide in the past, I'm sort of motivating them to do it. But it's always better to have that conversation, right? Yeah. And that's yeah. what the, yeah. the research also suggests. Yeah. That's what so, that's why I like that it was like it was direct and it was like 10 minutes into the movie, right? It's like, yeah. oh, whoa, this is mm-hmm. happening. And again, I don't know enough about what's going on in Japan regarding mental mm-hmm. health and, and suicide rates, but- mm-hmm. It seems like the mom, it was like, oh, these are all the signs, right? Mm-hmm. Like a lot of people just don't know any of the signs, but this seemed to be very, it seemed pretty obvious to her. Like she was concerned. I mean, I mean he had a calendar that was like literally ripped at a certain page and it was said, and it said like my final day. So <laughs> I think it goes beyond, you know, like what could be like potential signs of suicidal thought. It doesn't seem like something that, you know, if he has this, he might be thinking something suicidal. It was like a direct evidence of suicidal ideation, right? Forget about the calendar. Yeah. Yeah. So, and that's, I think that's what she said, because at some point she says, and what's with that like creepy calendar you have in your room? (laughs) Um, Yeah. Yeah. So it was, he was pretty obvious about it, right? I guess you're right. (laughs) And so... He part of his making amends was going to Shoko and giving her back that notebook. But this was part of, of like making amends before committing suicide. Mm-hmm. But the fact that she was so grateful about it and then like it, it, he blurted out that he he would like to see her again. It sort of gave him some form of motivation to sort of stay alive for the moment. Well, there was that moment where he said, could we be friends? And the moment that he did the sign, he mm-hmm. remembered that she had asked him the same thing when they yeah. were kids. It's mm-hmm. like he hadn't, re- it's like he had forgotten about that and realized that at the moment where he was doing the same thing. Yeah. It's like, oh, oh, I treated you like garbage. 
when <laughs> and when you were just assigning to me, can we be friends? And he didn't mm. understand her, right? He had no idea what that meant. So let's let's talk about more about um, Shogo, right? She we already talked about sort of Shoujo's suicidal thoughts, and ha- as he develops his relationship with Shogo and with his other friend, um, the one he develops as time goes, yeah. um, Tomohiro Nagatsuka is his name, the one with the green hair. Mm-hmm. He starts sort of gaining a bit of resilience, knowing that. He, there are people in this world that he can sort of open up to while Shoko is still sort of stewing on, on you know, the way her her deafness has affected her life and the people around her. Like, it wasn't clear to me what kind of school she was going to, mm-hmm. you know, like where where was she? I, I mean, I know that Shoko was going in the afternoons. Mm hmm. So probably after school. So maybe that wasn't her school. Maybe she was just somewhere else because her little sister was there. There were older people around. Yeah, so, that was a, a sign language class, I think. Was it? So, yeah, yeah, because it seemed like a community center or something. It wasn't yeah. her school. That, that um, was like a sign language community. Like a like a deaf community center or something like that, maybe. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. It's like th- that, was, that was never... Uh, clear but to me. But. Most of the, the old people that were there were they they were not deaf. Yeah. In fact, so. when when Shoja is trying to get into the room and Jusuru, the sister, is sort of saying, like, oh, she's not here. This isn't gonna happen. You're not gonna talk to her. Everybody else notices that they're having a discussion outside the room. Yeah. Except yeah. Shoko. Yeah. Which sort of suggests that the only person who is actually deaf in that room would be Shoko. Yeah, that's that was my impression. Yeah, yeah. So, so I mean, to to a broader conversation, I was surprised that we never saw a a single other deaf person in the entire movie. That's true. She was yeah. always surrounded by hearing people. I don't know that it bothered me, but it it seemed almost unrealistic. I understand her going to to a to a hearing school. Like you know, your options are limited. It was you know not enough resources i understand that but then not a single like a deaf friend later no mm-hmm. deaf uh again support or anything like that that was that was surprising to me and that's that's part of you know it's a problem with in terms of representation in media because in this movie it wants to bring up the theme of of like deafness and how it affects your life but it uses a single character to sort of represent all of the spectrum that that could represent right I, and I don't think it does a very good job of that. I really mm-hmm. think that it only uses like Shoko could have been an alien from another mm-hmm. planet. You know, it could have been anything. And this movie just happened to make her deaf. And I don't know. I don't like the way it it, it did it necessarily mm-hmm. because again, I am familiar with a lot of um, deaf media that does this way better. Mm-hmm. And and so I don't know that that it kind of it kind of bugged me. It felt like it felt like I was watching a very old movie. Yeah, from another time. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But again, I don't, I don't know, um, I don't know how how this is how this topic is treated in in Jap in Japan because I don't know. I've never seen. I don't remember seeing another deaf character in any anime. Period. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Do you? Not that I can think of right now. I've seen mute characters in mm-hmm. anime, but I've never seen a deaf character. Yeah. And maybe, you know, this also sort of adds to the to her characterization as somebody who is essentially isolated. Right. Because there's nobody who um, speaks their language except maybe her sister and, and her mother. 
so her grandma must, too, I think. Yeah, and her grandma. So maybe it's very isolating for her not to have somebody who she can relate to. And there's a lot of moments in this movie where I feel like they're having conversations around her that she's not a she she can't be a constantly, man. Constantly. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I often I often found myself like, oh my God, will will somebody like interpret for her? Like Yeah. Yeah. It, it was especially in that that one scene where where you said that Shoyo was sort of calling everybody out. Yeah. Yeah. That scene specifically, it was like Oh, she probably did not get any of what just what was occurring because they weren't really expressive in the way they were talking. Well, that's and, what, that's what I don't understand. That's why it was never clear to me how much she could hear, because mm-hmm. if she has the device and it's mm-hmm. helping her hear, how well or how uh, or not can she hear? Also, she was able to speak, mm-hmm. and when she spoke. She, you could understand her pretty clearly, which would imply, right? If this was if this was a real film, and this was real life, that she had taken classes well, and had actually, a, and had an instructor who who because I mean, there's different ways to do this, like they with the vibrations and stuff. So even if they can't hear themselves, that they go through a lot of uh, training to be able to to speak. Yeah. And every time she spoke, it was it was audible. It was you could, you could understand her. So technically. Uh, they gave us enough information to us that we could assume that she could hear, you mm-hmm. know, something. She could understand people when they were speaking and that she could also speak. But then at other times it was like she was this like other species of human that didn't, you know, that was like, yeah. I, I don't know. All of that stuff. The more, I, the more, I, the more we nitpick about the movie, there were things that bothered uh, me about this this type of representation, and it, it just wasn't clear. Like I don't. Again, that scene that we're talking about, I was like, can she hear? Can she not? Like, does she know what's going on? Like, did she, did she turn off the device? Like, it, it seemed almost uh, conveniently selective. You know, when she could understand or not. In because- terms of in terms of her her speaking, her her Japanese was very. It, it was not tonally distinguishable there there were some certain words that you could easily see how people could not understand what she was saying by the way that she was saying it you if 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 i read the subtitles i know what she was saying but if there were no subtitles i could easily lose the meaning of what she was saying in terms of her pronunciation well in the in the dub like you could mm-hmm. you can understand her. She sounded like a deaf person um, mm-hmm. speaking who had some training. But mm-hmm. um, you know the the thing about the the tone and stuff like that, right? It's like if you can't hear yourself uh, speaking, you can't um, you know you, like it just it just sounds different. Mm-hmm. So, but people understood her. Like when she spoke, people understood her. Uh, that's that's the other thing. It's not like people didn't understand her, except that one time when she was trying to say that she liked him, and, and he, he thought she was saying the moon. Yeah, he was like the <laughs> the moon. That yeah, was that's the only lost time. in translation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> because like literally, I like you is Suki, which is S U K I, and the moon is Suki with T S U K I. Gotcha. See, so See? So, so that means that he could. That he could hear her, but he he just it was like it was a very small difference in the pronunciation. Yeah, that was enough to like throw him off. W- weren't there always also wasn't there also something else going on like fireworks or something? No, no, no? not at that moment. No, it was it, she was completely out in the open. Okay, there was no sound, sort of blocking her diction. Yeah, but um, see, it, but that's that's what I mean. That's like a very convenient, mm-hmm. uh, dramatic 
mix up yeah. at that moment because at other at other points they understood her. But when when she was telling him like she wanted to be her his friend, she was saying like tomodachi, which is friend. But the way that she was saying it, it was very, it was very hard to actually derive meaning from that word, at least in my experience as you know a a duolingo <laughs> Japanese speaker. Um, <laughs> did you finish the Duolingo course, by the way? No, I did not. So um, I've I've been doing like three to five hundred XP per day for the last week. Nice. I also saw the movie Lost in Translation mm-hmm. as in preparation for this episode, mm-hmm. and it was not very helpful <laughs> because I did not remember it correctly. Are you familiar with this movie? No, I, I'm not. Oh, so Lost in Translation is a movie from about 15 years ago, starring Bill Murray and mm-hmm. Scarlett Johansson, a very young Scarlett Johansson. Mm-hmm. Uh, who are both um, Americans, and they meet on separate business trips in Japan, in Tokyo. Mm-hmm. And so the movie is called Lost in Translation, and I always thought of the movie as like, oh, these two people, they meet and they fall in love in this place where they're the only two people who understand each other. Mm-hmm. Like they're lost in this place where nobody else can can speak the language, so they that's not really what the movie is about at all. There's tons mm-hmm. of other people who speak English. A lot of Japanese people speak English. It's very much like two people who feel very alone and actually mm-hmm. find someone who's very much like them in an unlikely place. Mm-hmm. So, so again, it wasn't very helpful. But I, I tried to, I tried to come prepared. Just wanted you to know that. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. We can be like Japanese buddies. But, uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that seemed like a lot of. Of Cultural hesitation. appropriation. <laughs> no, I mean like Japanese speaking buddies. Gotcha. Like that sounds. Better. We could practice Japanese with each other. Hey, we can we can we can start uh, a podcast, this podcast about learning Japanese. Going to be in Japanese from now. On. <laughs> so, to I'm all having... you listeners, you have to learn Japanese if you want to keep up. No, I'm one of these people who, like, as a teenager, was obsessed with anime and tried to learn Japanese. I, mm-hmm. I, but what I did, I ended up buying Rosetta Stone like in my early twenties. Mm-hmm. And when it came on CD and you had to pop it into the computer and uh, I used to drive with cassettes in the car, you know, it's like reciting, you know, travel locations and, you know, where to buy the bus ticket and things like that. <laughs> and, and I did that for a while and I, I, I learned a lot, but then I just, I just stopped. Um, actually, I'm, I'm almost certain that around that time I started uh, learning sign language. So I just stopped learning Japanese Okay. and I got way further in sign language, but but language is so, so important. There's, there's something about, there was something about learning a third language, mm-hmm. uh, being uh, American Sign Language, which, although in Japanese, so like Japanese pronunciation was very easy for me because the pronunciations are way, way close, of the vowels are way closer to Spanish than they are to mm-hmm. English. Yeah. So I feel like if you know Spanish, you have a leg up if you want to learn Japanese. Yeah. I, I had a lot of moments in Japan where everybody was like, wow, your diction is so good. And I was like, it's very similar to yeah, exactly. Spanish to Japanese. So it's, yeah. it's, I remember, it's yeah, like easier. you can hear a Japanese song and hear Spanish words all the time. You're like, huh, mm-hmm. what? what? <laughs> yeah. So, so uh, that was very helpful. But then American Sign Language, because it was completely different, mm-hmm. it was like this third point, right? It was like this triangulation uh, that I was able to do that really opened my eyes to have a better understanding of English and Spanish because I was able to see this, this other language that was completely different. And 
the grammar is different and you and you start learning why the words are the way they are and why things like it's it was it was eye opening and that's yeah why. that's the magic of learning another language every yeah. time you learn another language it feels like you get a broader grasp of, of what language is mm-hmm. and yeah. how it functions and yeah. how you know just cultural differences are reflected in language yeah which yeah. i think is like fascinating personally yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and but in terms of this movie I don't, I don't think it mattered that much. I don't mm-hmm. think it mattered at all. You know, I think it was very much just a device that mm-hmm. was used um, poorly, I think, mm-hmm. to get this kid, Shoja, to like treat Shoka like garbage. Mm-hmm. And, and like it could have been like Shoka could have been overweight mm-hmm. and you could have had the same story play out. I think, in my opinion. Um, there were certain moments that would have been different because then, the, you know, there are some like deaf things that happen in the movie, but the, uh, I think ultimately they don't have anything to do with the, these characters stories. Mm-hmm. That's my opinion. It's my opinion. Um, and I, I can't think of, I can't think of, um, can you think of any other anime that does anything with language that's kind of hmm. interesting this way? Not really. Like, I don't think language is is addressed that often in anime. Mm -hmm. I think one of the only other examples where I've seen, like, language being used is in... I mentioned this in another episode, Azumanga Daio, which is, like, a comedy series about high schoolers. There's one teacher in the in the series that's an english teacher and she's very funny because like she's always jealous of like the gym teacher because she's like prettier more popular like everybody loves her she's like more engaging and she's like but i know english so every time i see a foreigner i can show off how good i am at english um yeah and then she has like this whole skit where she sees a foreigner and starts talking english and he ends up being german so he doesn't know english (laughs) and then she has to like sort of pretend that she still understands what he's saying and uh, you know it's stuff like that it's but i don't think language in general is very like it's a it's a it's a particularly explored topic in anime yeah (laughs) the uh shoga's no not shoga shoja's brother-in-law Right, his mm-hmm. sister's um, husband Pedro. or boyfriend. What's his name? His name is Pedro. Really? Mm-hmm. So, so he's a a he's black. I don't know if he's American, but mm-hmm. he's in the military, right? He, I think they mentioned that he's he's from the military at some yeah. point. And so, like again, I think Shoka could have been overweight. She could have been black. She could have been like Sho uh, Shoja's niece, who's mm-hmm. mixed race. You know, and there could have been the you know all of this sort of bullying it could have been just english to like it didn't you know it didn't have to be um signed to japanese it could have been english to japanese and i think you you could have told a very similar story and yeah that's true and slightly and been slightly more i don't know like i don't know i i feel like it was i don't want to say it's disrespectful to deaf people the movie mm-hmm. but it definitely makes it a sort of like a, a subject of pity Perhaps. Absolutely. The way that she's yeah. portrayed, the way that she acts is yeah. A lot her her character is so innocent and so she's like, Oh, I just want a friend and she's so like damn cute and and but but still like it, it really likes to focus on her deathness as a disability. Like yeah. to be like 
observed and be pitied because of it. Yeah. Um, yeah I'm telling you, deaf culture, at least in, in the United States, which is where, where, where I'm really only familiar with, mm-hmm. with deaf culture, you know, there is huge pride. Like there are a lot of discussions about referring to it as a, as a disability or a handicap. Mm-hmm. Um, there are families, so there are a lot of deaf people who have a serious problem with families who want to um, give their babies cochlear implants because the hearing parents are thinking, there's something wrong with my kid, I need to fix it. And then mm-hmm. uh, the deaf, many people in the deaf, the deaf community, because it's not everybody, many people think there's nothing wrong with your kid. They just have yeah. a different way of communicating. And now you're you're taking away their choice. Of yeah, wanting like to that, or not. That horror movie Which that one? I've never seen. Which where was? the where the creatures sort of hear any sound. Oh, a they, quiet place? Yeah, a quiet place. I haven't seen it yet. But apparently that's like one of the character arcs where one of the characters is deaf and their parents are trying to sort of force her into getting a surgery that will fix her deafness. Yeah. Well that's the thing, like, right? Like no, you you're trying to erase my identity. Yeah. A cochlear implant is an invasive surgery. Like mm-hmm. they're putting um, electrodes into your brain, and so to do that at a at a super young age, right? It's like again, I mean, technically you could just take it off, right? Like you could, you don't have to put it on, but yeah. the surgery is permanent. The 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 implant in itself is permanent. Yeah. I don't know. It, again, it's it's super fascinating stuff. And this movie was obviously not about that. It was just mm-hmm. using a deaf character to to tell a story. A, and, a story that's actually more broadly about relationships, right? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Again, I, I think if if I had to choose uh, what the movie was about, to me, it's about, um, it's it's a redemption story. Right? It's a it's second chance. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah. I was super shitty and I felt guilty about it to the point where I wanted to kill myself. And now, actually, I think there's hope. Like, I think I can fix this. I can, mm-hmm. I can do better. And, and Which I find very interesting because when, going back to the movie, right? He when when he starts developing a relationship with Shoko and his friend, his first sort of instinct is I should get all the friends back together. But by all the friends, he means even the bullies who bullied Shoko. So so wait, 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 wait. So he doesn't want to do this. No, she's the one who asks for. She asks for Sahara. Yeah. He, but when he meet when he meets her, he's like, hey, um, like. Now that we're like getting to know each other again, again, this is the way I remember it. It's like, mm-hmm. I have a phone. I have, I have, if you want anybody else's number from my phone, mm-hmm. just let me know. And that's when she asked for Sahara. And then, mm-hmm. and then, but, and then she starts asking for other ones. I don't think it's like, I don't think he was trying to like get the band, get the band together. Cause he, he didn't want anything to do with any of them. <laughs> Actually, I, I remembered. So he tells, he gets the cell phone and he t- asks her like, who would you like on the phone and she asks for Sahara. Once they meet Sahara, he's like, hey, maybe I should call up other people. And then he, like, he thinks of Naoka and she's like, oh, he gets that image where she's saying like, no, that's a bad idea. Mm. And he's like thinking like, maybe I can sort of invite Kawaii and, and you know, her new friend slash boyfriend. Mm. And he starts getting everybody back together. And that's when he goes to the to the cat cafe, right? Hmm. To to sort of meet with Naoka, and he's sort of um, he's shy about it. He's not sure if this is a good decision. Okay, now, <laughs> now I'm remembering it differently. Yeah. Differently, he she um, Shoka asked for someone's number, and he didn't have it. But he thought he asked at school. He asked someone at school if Nakawai. they knew yeah. if they knew where this person was. She was like, I don't, but. 
I do know where Naoka is, and she probably knows. So he goes mm-hmm. to Naoka to ask her for the information about the other girl. Isn't that what happened? I'm not sure Naoka gives her the, him the information for Sahara. <laughs> I, think it I, was think some, he, I think it was something like that. I think Kawhi gave him the information to the school that Sahara goes to so that then he could take the train and meet Sahara on the way. Like, he was actually going to try to find her in person, but they actually ended up meeting in the in the train station. And um, I d- it doesn't matter. I think. I think. But she, yeah, um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Now I remember three different versions of of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> but then Naoka, that she has that moment where she sees Shoko across the street, and she's like, "Hey, maybe I should rekindle my relationship with Shoja." But then Shoja's like, uh, "Why are you being so mean?" Yeah. At Shoko, and then it, you can clearly see that they've diverged in their maturity as the years have gone by, right? Yeah, he's he's been really harmed by all the mistakes he's done in the past to the point where he's changed as a person, but Naoka still is still the same person. Yeah. Um, and she's still angry because of everything that happened. She's still upset about the relationships that were lost. I'd argue she's worse if ten if with ten years on her, her first instinct was still to take uh Shoka's hearing aids. Yeah, that's true. Ugh. Like she wasn't she wasn't a grade schooler anymore. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. There was there's a certain point where you can sort of hmm, maybe she was young and she 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 just didn't know any better. Yeah. But <laughs> you know, she's she's pretty much a, a young adult and she's still doing the same stuff my opinion so yeah and then you you see this sort of character arc where, where shoja is trying to get everybody back together but the more you strive for that connection the more you're gonna see everybody's weaknesses and everybody's sort of like character flaws to the yeah. point where everybody starts blaming each other for what's happening in the past and shoja has that one moment of release where he's sort of telling everybody like kawaii you're 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 fake like Sahara, you're run away from everything. Naoka, you are just like mean and you sort of put it on everybody else. And then even his friend, he's like, like, you don't even know me and you treat me like, you know, I'm the coolest person alive. And he essentially like breaks every relationship. He 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 sort of distances himself to the point where everybody gets their exes back, right? Yes, at one point, yeah. And yeah. I think at that moment, Shoko did not she was not a part of any of that. Like she did not hear anything happening, but she did understand that like everybody was sort of diverging paths and they were upset and that it had to do something with her yeah. and what would happen in the past. I think that's what she got. Yeah. Yeah. And that sort of rekindles sort of herself, like her self-esteem issues, herself like disdain. And you add that with sort of that interaction that Naoka has with her in the Ferris wheel. And that's sort of what adds up to the point where she's suicidal. She feels like Shoja will never find happiness. Yeah. She feels if, guilty. She feels guilty. Just she like, feels guilty. Just like yeah. Shoja felt guilty before. Yeah, which is one of the, the main symptoms of major depressive disorder, right? And so... That's when she starts planning, you know, ahead for when she's going to commit suicide. She waits until the perfect moment, which was the fireworks festival, to sort of slip out and be at home where she can sort of pull off her her suicidal attempt by jumping out the window. And Shoja sort of sees it and tries to stop her to the point where he it's does a very like, self-sacrificial yeah. 
moment where he pulls her up by you know falling yeah and that was that was a very emotionally charged moment yeah and the the, the art was so striking with like the the fireworks and everything Oof, okay that was a that was a good scene um <laughs> And so what, what follows is you see everybody sort of dealing with that, what just happened, right? When the family understands that she was about to commit suicide and they, like her sister knew for very long that she had suicidal feelings, right? That's why her sister took that art project to like take pictures of dead animals and post them so that maybe Shoko would see just how like... To be turned off by death. Basically. Yeah, turned yeah turned off by death to see how death is not something to be romanticized, but it wasn't necessarily something that would actually work because in the end, people who are struggling with suicide, it's not just that they romanticize death; it's more like they they see no value in life. And and what's really going to work out is for her to understand how valuable she is as a person, and. You know, that she's not responsible for everything that happened in the past, because although she was and there really what was at play in those in those moments where everybody broke off was everybody else's like insecurities and and faults as a human being. Right. She wasn't she was there, there was nothing that she did that actually you can you can attribute to the, their lost friendships. I think I think I mean, I agree. Right. None of it was her fault. Mm-hmm. But I can see how she might feel she like she was in the middle of it and somehow caused it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so uh, you have that scene where Shoko's mom is fi- is just beating Naoka up. And like Shoko's mom is very damn. She's very like uh, aggressive, right? Yes. <laughs> like she's very defensive about her daughter. But to the point where I think she beats up Shoujo's mom at the beginning of the movie. Um, She rips her earring out. And I'm like. Because she's bloody and we don't know why. And then later on, we, we see that she... Well, I'm assuming that it was her. It may have been Shoja's mom herself. Mm-hmm. Like, as... Um, like, my my son did this to your daughter, so I'm I'm going to... Like, Do it as penance? Yeah, yeah. Damn, and, but I don't know. Because well, then they showed, her, her, they showed that her lobe was ripped. Mm-hmm. But also seeing how aggressive Shoko's mom is, I wouldn't doubt that it was mom, her mom's doing. Like, I wouldn't Maybe. see... Shoujo's mom actually ripping out her her earring as as penance, right? No, maybe she would like like just in the same way that Shoko's mom did at the end of the movie, like really utterly bow to the point where you're in the floor, like completely bowing towards the person asking for forgiveness. But I I don't know if she would do something so like self destructive in an attempt to like make up for what Shoujo did. I don't know. It doesn't seem like out of, out of character for, to me, mm-hmm. for her. Interesting. Hmm. Maybe the manga would explain this. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then Shoya gets that that sort of validation when everybody gets back together to meet him. And he sort of understands that he is scared of forming connections with people because he's scared of getting hurt. But essentially, like, he sort of accepts that that's, that comes with the package of having friends that comes with a package of, of connection, like being exposed to everybody's like frailty and, and character flaws. And he has that beautiful scene where he's sort of like covering his ears, trying to block everybody off. And then he like 
uncovers them and you see everybody's excess um, just peel off and he's trying to just accept everybody for who they are, you know, all the strangers and, and just push himself to engage with the people around him, which I thought was a very, a very beautiful moment in the movie, especially musically. Um, the soundtrack is very good. Yeah, man. Like the, the more I think, I mean, I enjoyed the movie mm-hmm. other than the, the, you know, the deaf stuff, the mm-hmm. way that that was kind of handled and, and yeah, I think it was used, <laughs> you know, I don't think it was uh well used. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah. And, was, and then yeah. you get that, that sort of visual metaphor that he's covering his ears and opening up to, to the world that yeah. it feels very parallel to just like the pitiful deaf person sort of trope that they're using throughout the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's a degree of, of sort of like self-awareness that we have to bring to that movie to sort of keep ourselves from from enjoying it too much without questioning not the harm that it does, but definitely sort of like possibly it's ignorance or the way that it's not actually taking into account actual the actual experiences of at least American deaf people. I mean, look, I'm sure that this story may be actually, you know, a 100% actual true story that's that happened to someone, right? Mm-hmm. It just feels like it feels like an outdated representation. Mm-hmm. And um, I think yeah, you know, I mean, as far as like, I I I think that conversation starters like this are great because then you can point out. I'm not saying that either of us are the best people to point out what's wrong uh, with <laughs> with this movie in particular, but uh, some of it just doesn't 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 feel right. And oh, this is this is something that I'm I'm not again like I'm not an anime scholar, right? Mm-hmm. But so so there are certain things that so first of all I'm not an anime scholar. I'm also not a Japanese culture scholar. Mm-hmm. So when I hear people talk about like oh like anime has some problematic things going on right mm-hmm. uh some anime right in terms of like um yeah there's a lot of that stuff that is culturally sensitive yeah like you can see for us it can be highly problematic but when you see how japanese culture is in general you can understand how that could be normal ah uh. Maybe I don't know. I don't mm-hmm. know, right? That, that that's that's my point. I do not know. So mm-hmm. I, I, it's hard for me to say um, that something is a bad representation when it's mm-hmm. when we're seeing it in a completely different cultural lens. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like again, like I, I hear people talk about, like you know, the way women are represented um, in, in some. It's some anime, and I'm like, I don't, I, I can't, I don't know. Like, it seems from an American perspective, it seems <laughs> like yeah. uh, it wouldn't fly over here. But I don't, I don't know enough about that. That's fair. That's very fair. Yeah. Um, and sometimes, like, some things take time, right? And if maybe, maybe, maybe there, there, there is a movement of, um, you know, women wanting much better representation in media in Japan, and it's just, mm-hmm. you know, maybe it's it's farther behind than in other countries or in other places like that's mm-hmm. that that may be possible or you know maybe be, maybe behind is a mischaracterization maybe it's just very different the way that they're coming about it and, and the things that they want shown and represented i don't know i do not know so in general did you like the movie yeah 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 i did i did enjoy the movie um i think it's beautiful i think that again it 
I I ended up enjoying it more as a as a conversation about like I'll think about it in the future as a redemption story as uh bringing suicide up suicide story. as bringing up guilt the the thing with the faces and the exes is oh it's just like it's that cute. is what I'm going to remember about it mm-hmm. not um the language death stuff yeah 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 which again surprised me at the end of the movie <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's it for a silent voice right yeah, yeah, yeah. Is there anything else you want you 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 feel we left out? No, no, no. No. So now it's your turn. Okay. I'm so excited. So, uh, okay. So d- during this conversation, mm-hmm. I started thinking about this idea of representation, right? Mm-hmm. But I think it's way too complicated for mm-hmm. me to want to actually cover that in the, in the next. Like, I feel very uh, not prepared because okay. because like I've thought of like discussions where I've thought like, wait a minute. Do Japanese people see anime characters as looking Japanese? <laughs> they mm-hmm. see them as looking something like that's a conversation like that that is ongoing, right? And it's really interesting to read about that. But then, like, I can't think of any um, like when I was telling you, oh, maybe if she wasn't deaf in this movie and she was she was black or she was mixed race, like there would be a different conversation. I can't think of any anime that I've ever seen that touches any of those topics. So like I'm race? not huh? on race. Yeah. 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 Mm. Or even um, I was trying to even think something else, right? Like, like really like the idea of diversity and, mm-hmm. and inclusion and things like, like, for example, we were both born in Puerto Rico, lived in Puerto Rico most of our lives. Mm-hmm. Puerto Rico is very monocultural mm-hmm. in that like the majority of people are white. And then the people who aren't white are, are, um, ostracized they don't hold political power they tend to um like like it, it's horrible like in terms of race in puerto rico and that's a that's a, another conversation for another show but like living in a very monocultural place is which is changing a lot in recent years but i i, I have uh, i assume that there are similar things going on in in japan mm-hmm. and and i just in the anime that i've seen i don't remember race yeah. being an issue yeah, you know, race is not often brought up. Yeah, it's it's also a very American worry because we are more cosmopolitan. Like when when you go to Japan, every it's it's also pretty monocultural. Um, although Japanese culture is very Americanized. But when it comes to like race, right? For example, yeah. like someone being visually, someone being, um, someone having. Um, prejudice against someone else based on their yeah on physical features and things like that it's uh mm-hmm. i get i mean i know i know it happens but i don't mm-hmm. rem- i just don't remember an anime that addresses this so i'm, I'm saying that i'm tabling that for mm-hmm. a future discussion because it's something okay. that i'm that i'm thinking you're about. interested in okay. yeah 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 it's like you know like there, there are people in in different countries where i don't know like like India and Pakistan, right? Like there is some history there. There's some stuff going on that's deep. Taiwan and China, right? And it's like, okay, but like, we're not like Puerto Rico and the United States, right? It's like, wait a minute, aren't you all the same thing? No, what are you talking about? Like, it depends on who you talk to. Like, it's very delicate situation. And I can't think of, let alone many um, characters who, who, for example, just don't have light skin in anime. Mm -hmm. Um, but But like, was that even an issue? Like, I can't think of any. Yeah. It would probably have to be something way more fantastical, like someone was a vampire or a monster and how they were treated differently. Mm-hmm. Oh, actually, no, I'm thinking about it. But okay, but I'm not going to go there. So okay. <laughs> my, my mind is actually going more towards uh, the topic 
of the the suicides in this in this um, or the suicidal attempts and the topic of suicide in this movie mm-hmm. uh, had me thinking about the topic of death. Mm-hmm. And you you mentioned yokai in the last episode, and so these ideas of uh, how death is represented in in anime, mm-hmm. uh, I find I find I find really interesting. So that's actually what I want to to talk about next time. Oh, I'm so excited. So and what's the anime? So I think that we can use a whole bunch of different anime for this one. I think that conversation will be way more fluid. I, I can't. Uh, I don't want to bring up a specific movie. But mm-hmm. just to kick off the conversation, mm-hmm. okay, I'm going to use Dragon Ball Z to talk about the afterlife and death. <laughs> what? <laughs> You're going to have to recommend some episodes. Uh, well, just in, later on. In, no, no, no. So like right now, right? Like in, in general, just the idea that when Goku dies, mm-hmm. he goes... To he has to first of all in this representation in the show he has to like stand in line, uh, stand in front of I forgot his name. He's like the guy, the big guy at the desk with the horns. Yeah, and he kind of decides where you go, right? And yeah. oh, I forgot his name. And then if you go like to heaven, right? Like uh, there's like the way it's represented is really interesting. And then but later on in the series we also see hell and we mm-hmm. see like Frieza and hell and we see. Uh, Vegeta in help, and we see um, kind of the rules of the of the of the afterlife within Dragon Ball Z, and how Goku is allowed to like he's given special privileges when he dies. Mm-hmm. Like you can keep your body, or you can't keep your body, right? Like you can you can cross over or not. Like with Dragon Ball Z alone, there's a lot to talk about, but in but that that's a topic that comes up in anime a lot that mm-hmm. I think is super interesting. Like. Uh, off the top so of my head that I've seen like are that. we gonna use like multiple examples yeah 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 I think I think it'll I think it'll benefit from using different okay. examples that you've watched like I don't know like I watched uh Renme definitely- like years and years ago and and honestly this is also partially inspired by like the the good place just ended <laughs> uh yeah I've heard about it but I haven't seen the last season or two seasons and that show is all about the afterlife and mm-hmm. and I think that even as interesting as the good place has uh, portrayed the afterlife, I think yeah. that I've never seen the afterlife portrayed in such interesting ways mm-hmm. as in as in anime. Okay, like my imagination. I'm gonna, mm-hmm. I'm gonna recommend Death Parade. Death Parade. Okay. okay. Yeah, I, a single episode will suffice so you understand the whole gist of the show. I'll check it out. I'll check it out. Yeah. Okay. Okay, but I'm going to use DBZ to kick it off. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Okay. Yeah, yeah. There we go. That's my pick. I'm so excited. Yes, my turn next week. the first time you, you suggest a theme. <laughs> yep, yeah. So I'm going to do some research on, on Dragon Ball C, or yeah. Dragon Ball in general. Yeah, right? yeah. Well, really, nobody, I mean, technically, uh, Goku's grandfather dies in Dragon Ball. And mm-hmm. but really, like we don't see the afterlife until Dragon Ball Z. Okay, interesting. Yeah, like we like we see it, right? Like it's a it's a thing. <laughs> and with it's the like dra- an, in Yu Yu Hakusho. Yeah, exactly. Like Yu Yu Hakusho is a great example, right? Like, you have Koenma and, and Bulma, which is the Green Reaper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yu Yu Hakusho is another one that I was I was thinking of bringing up because like, oh, okay, like they have yeah. all this stuff and, and tournaments and shit. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> that's great. That's great. Let's do this. Let's okay. Do this. Sounds good. Well, thank you so much for listening to the Otaku Ryoho podcast. You can talk to us on Twitter. You can send us any message. We have the Twitter handles on the episode details. The show notes. 
write a comment on the Geek Therapy forums, which will also have a link down in the uh, podcast notes. You can join us on the Geek Therapy Discord. Is there anything else? No, just visit otaku.geektherapy.com for, for more episodes and, and links to all their stuff. Yeah, and like and review us on, on iTunes, which would really help us. Thank you. Goodbye. Bye.